Clay, before we get into uh, discussing this episode of Star Trek Voyager called Tattoo, I was wondering if you had any any personal favorite Native American facts that you enjoy and would like to share with the group. Uh, Native American facts that I enjoy. Well, the annual rainfall of Arizona is no. Um, Cleveland Indians I, are your, your favorite baseball <laughs> Cleveland team. Cleveland Indians, yes. All of my wardrobe that is not obscure comic book and movie shirts are Cleveland, old school Cleveland Indians logo shirts and uh, Washington Redskins merch. Because the Indians um, aren't the Indians anymore, right? They changed that. No, they are the Cleveland Guardians. The now, Guardians, yeah. Yes, yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah. We, the Bra- we used to have the Braves in Boston. Yes. Used to be the Boston Braves. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> now it's now it's Atlanta's problem. Um, no, my fa- I th- if I had to pull one out of the air, I don't even know if this is a fact. Uh, but I I've always been tickled at the fact that like the 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 concept of El Dorado and like the city of gold and all that kind of stuff, as yeah. far as I know, as I have heard, was just something made up by the Aztecs and the and the people of South America as a way to get the white guys out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and send them down the river to die, which I, you know, I'm very tickled by. Unfortunately, it came at the at the uh at the tail end of a bunch of slaughter, yes. which isn't a plus. But uh, you know, you got to do what you got to do, I suppose. Sickness everywhere. I'm sick too. <clears throat> I don't I don't have the smallpox though, I don't think. But my voice is dead sexy you've, right now. You've programmed yourself to be to be sick. To be sick. It's gone a little bit long. I didn't think it was going to keep going into the podcast. My favorite uh, Native American uh, fact is there was, I don't know which one it is, maybe it's multiple tribes or something. I'm pretty sure it was one of the Plains tribes in America. Um, they used to kill, execute prisoners by, they would put this pole in the ground and they would sort of like sort of a... Um, that, that thing where you, you put a tennis ball on the end of a string and you like bat it around the pole. You know that oh, game? Oh, sure. Sure. <laughs> so they would they would do that. And then they would somehow tie a rope to the top of the pole and then to they would like cut the person's belly or something and sort of tie it to their intestines. And then they would make them walk around the pole so that oh. they slowly disemboweled themselves. Oh, that's brutal. Which is a brutal torture thing. But... Uh, that's my favorite disgusting factoid about the Native Americans, which will come back as soon as I explain what we're watching. We're watching nice. two. I was going to say it's nice, nice to know that your favorite fact perpetuates the myth of the savages. Of we're, the- well, we'll, we'll we'll get into that. So, this is Tattoo. It's the ninth episode of the second season of Star Trek Voyager. It came out on November sixth, nineteen ninety-five. Teleplay goes to Michael Piller, who loves this shit. Story by Larry Brody. Directed by Alexander Singer. In universe date unknown, it's 2372 and it's also 2344. In this episode called Tattoo, which is my favorite Oi Punk fan song because half the songs are about your tattoos, Chicotay investigates mysterious symbols and visions that are remarkably similar to one of his childhood experiences. Remarkably oh, similar, but he also doesn't really react as if it means anything to him when he first sees it. I thought you were talking about Tattoo, the, the, the girl band from Russia. Oh, everybody no. was horny for for like 10 minutes in the, no. in the early 2000s. Uh, yes. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. I remember them, too. They were, they yeah, were, remember along they with were on MTV. Yeah. They, they, yeah, they had that live performance on MTV where they kissed on stage and Ashton that's Kutcher right. lost his mind. Yeah, yeah. It was a different time. Great times. Great times in the early 2000s. So. High, high art. So this is from the 90s. Uh, this is Tattoo and... Uh, I brought up the little Indian fact at the or Native American fact at the start because I was reading one of the tour reviews and I thought that it was fairly insightful about this episode. And I think it's kind of an interesting place to start, which is that uh, for a long time, Native cultures were portrayed as like simpleton savage races. They're just very warlike mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then in the 90s, we started to overcorrect in how we portrayed Native Americans. So we're just like, they're basically godlike beings that are have a deeper <laughs> understanding of what the universe is than any white person could actually have. Yeah. And I like, I like the fact that we can't seem to just hit anywhere near what the, they actually were, which is that they were people as well as like the right. settlers. Yeah. And they had good and bad things that they all did at the same time. So, but this is the new age. Michael Piller seems to be obsessed with this stuff because he did this in Star Trek Insurrection is kind of the same thing, which he wrote. There's this. Uh, he had designed, helped design the Maquis in this, this kind of a way. 
I just think it's interesting. But this is a very 90s Native American take, which is like looking at soaring eagles and thinking that it's, yeah. it's some kind of insightful uh, insight into the world around you at large. Yeah, this episode is uh, one X-Files theme song clip away from being the infomercial to pure moods, I think. Mm, yeah, yep, yep. But yeah, that overcorrection is so strange because it is really like, I mean, it's not quite as offensive but it's also kind of offensive no it's just it's, it's like, just the opposite it's the it's the opposite yeah. way of being offensive because you're not yeah. realistically portraying anything yeah and in either either way you i should say in that way you are overcorrecting and still kind of glossing over the yeah the, the legacy of brutality yep. that yep. the that the americans that the uh, uh european americans um inflicted on them uh and I think, yeah, either way, if you are yourself a Native American, at the end you go like, look at this fucking asshole, uh-huh. uh, no, no matter which which end of the spectrum you have, the person happens to be on. Yeah, and I think Tattoo just ends up being, it feels like a an episode that, it feels like me, an episode I would write if I asked to write about a Native American storyline, <laughs> be like, I don't know, I don't know, I, all I know is that torture thing that they did to a couple of people, uh, and I can't write that into a Star Trek episode. <laughs> so you, you just rely on cliche and... It's kind of an interesting episode because I I like it structurally and I I like how it's produced. It's just that the story isn't interesting to me. No. Well, I mean, it answers that burning question we've all had since episode one. How did Chakotay get his tattoo? Right. Well, and and why is his a tattoo and not just a marker that they draw on your face like they they did to his father when he showed up at that? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, based on the way he describes it and explains it, it's essentially the equivalent of like when you're when a a family member dies and you get like a giant gaudy uh, Catholic cross on your back. (laughs) (laughs) This is for my grandmother. Always remember. Never forget. Yeah, like it's uh, it's weird because it it it. It shows the origin of the symbol, but it doesn't really make you believe that Chakotay has wears it for or 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 had a tattoo on himself for anything that he meaningfully believes outside of this is what my dad liked. Yeah, like I don't, I never get the sense that he really ended up going down this road and like it's it's yeah, I don't know. It's all kind of. It's all kind of hokey. It just feels like the fluff around any kind of story that would happen for Chicote. Yeah. It's like it. It, it doesn't, doesn't answer. Fe- oh, go ahead. Well, it it does. It doesn't feel. I feel like I, I weirdly I gain a little bit of insight into Chicote, but not anything interesting about him. Like it's it's almost like right, an, an assumption. Right. I'm like, yeah, this is the way that Chicote was. This is the way that he is. But it doesn't. I don't even feel like the central conflict with his father is strong enough to be interesting to think about beyond this like i'm not going to remember this so it's it's weird no i i kind of i kept waiting for there to be kind of something more interesting happening in that flashback but like it doesn't even really end in a place that's interesting because he gets taken on this trip and he's a dick to his dad the whole time and then he kind of watches this stuff happen he's like this is this is all dumb and then in the future with no real evidence that there was any uh, over conflict overcome, he's just like now. I hear the voice of my father in the wind. Yeah, it's like, what? Yeah. You didn't. Th- what's the resolution to this story? You were a dickhead when you were a kid, and then how did you not be? How did you become not a dickhead anymore? That's the interesting part. Like that's the yeah. resolution that that you're kind of interested in, not just hitting the tag and being like, oh, he died. He's got the tattoo because now he's. Now he's older and wiser. It's like, that's not really a story. Yeah, they kind of gloss over that part where he goes to Starfleet and everything. It's just the the precursor to that when then his, his father dies and he sort of explains that that's, that's the uh, the case of how things went. It's, I uh, I, I guess one, one of the interesting things that, that I was reading about the backstory of this is that apparently this is written by Pillar. This is his first uh, script in season two since he came back. And apparently there had been a, uh, difficulties behind the scene and he was saying that he wrote this in he's his quote is like i wrote this in somewhat of a rage because i had been having disagreements with the other writers about how we should write this uh series and Mm. his point was that he thought voyager scenes and voyager episodes featured scenes that were 
too long and had too much go like too much dialogue between characters in an extended sequence. Mm-hmm. And his point, what he said here, is that he wrote this almost in a, as an attempt to show that you can change scenes in an episode more frequently than the show is doing. Interesting. And okay. once you realize that this changes scenes a ton through yeah, the, the sequence does. of what's going on. And I think that, so w- what he did is like he accomplished what he was trying to do because I think the only thing that's interesting about this episode is that I think it's technically really proficient. It's a really well-produced episode because... Despite the fact that the story's boring, I think that the scene transitions and the way that it moves between the storylines is really effective and like yeah. pleasant. Mm-hmm. But he just unfortunately stuck it to this incredibly boring story. So he he proved himself right, but he didn't actually write a good episode out of it. Yeah, it's um <clears throat> technically I think it works fine. I mean, it's like if you're looking at it purely from an efficiency of of making a television show, I think yeah. it's pretty good. Uh, they they get all their money out of that out of those trees. They get all their money out of those rocks. They get all their money out of the different sets. Yeah. Um, and they they don't necessarily make it feel like it's only shot on like two sets, but it kind of is. Yes. Um, they do a lot of bleeding, like uh, shot shot matching transitions. You know, where something will happen, yeah. and then it cuts to the other reality, and it's not obvious that that's what it's done, but it's very neat to that way. Yeah, I actually thought that stuff was pretty well done because th- there's a certain. Um, <laughs> There's a scene where they are, where Chakotay is is leading Tuvok and Neelix or whoever's left. I forget who the other one was. Milana, I think, is down there. Milana, yeah, leading them to into this kind of encampment, and he's like, "Put your weapons down." And then they go in for a close up of people putting their weapons down, and they're old style phasers. And for a second, I was like, "Why are they using old style phasers?" And then they pan up, and it's you're in the other storyline. It's like, "Oh, that was actually pretty pretty slick." Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, I think that stuff is 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 done pretty well. But yeah, it's just not really uh done in service of anything horribly interesting. And I mean, the one the one bit not so slick, not so interesting is when they just do a um an extended half dissolve of uh the alien guy touching what looks yeah, to, yeah. <laughs> what looks to be the the ghost of frozen Jack Torrance from yes. The Shining on yeah. the chest, <laughs> while they just say a bunch of exposition. <clears throat> that stuff not so interesting. Probably not the most uh, arresting visual they could have done. But, well, that was um, the Prometheus moment. He like in, he inseminated him with alien knowledge right. or something. Yeah. Well, that's the thing that's fascinating about this episode. Actually, is because <clears throat> when they first when you first go to the flashback stuff. Um, and Chakotay's father is talking about like the sky gods and all this kind of stuff. I was like, wait a minute, is this like ancient alien shit? Mm -hmm. And it is, but since it's coming through the, uh, nineties new age, um, understanding of white guy, understanding of native American, native American culture lens, it kind of feels like that as well. So it just, it feels kind of like fake native american stuff yeah i didn't i i just thought it was like oh oh i mean maybe i don't know if it's supposed to be ancient aliens maybe it's just a coincidence but no it it is literally just um prometheus yeah it it is in chariots of the gods yeah it's um you know so the aliens are apparently uh instrumental in providing the native americans or they might not have crossed into it's hazy on the timeline they might not have crossed into america yet they they gave them the the courage to do it or something to like walk across the siberian peninsula yeah it's also a little bit condescending when you get into that story because if i remember correctly the story is uh we gave these primitive people the knowledge and the drive to better themselves and spread across across the continent and do good, and then these other fucking guys showed up and started killing everybody. Yeah. it's like, well, who are the other guys? Right. Uh, I mean, clearly they are. We should kill these aliens when we find them to finish off the job here. Yeah, like, are they? Were they also touched by aliens, or are they just naturally evolving? Superior. Superior. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In I which know, case, it's weird. It, yeah. It's really kind of uh, dehumanizing in that sense, where it's like, yeah. not only not only did not only did the people who would become the Native Americans not have the uh, uh, innate genetic drive to become better than the savages that they were, but uh, even when they got touched by aliens, weren't good enough to survive the assault by the Europeans. Yeah, no, so it's like, ugh, I don't know. 
I don't yeah. know if this is landing exactly the way they intended it to. No, it's a weird. It's a weird. It's kind of just an unthoughtful take on the whole thing. I, I mean, it's yeah. It, it's weird because it, the it's it's an episode that is so ineffective at what it's doing that it, it doesn't. Like I don't even really consider what they're saying in this episode while they're talking about it. Like this, this has a right. kind of grand. This has a huge implication on the development of humanity in yeah. some ways. Pretty, pretty big. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's it's so it's such a small Chicote character thing that it just feels weird. I mean, it, it, Voyager is also getting into a problem where like we need to stop running into humans out here at this point because yeah, it's yeah. just we you know we ran into Amelia Earhart. Now we're running into the people who uh, gave the Native Americans their knowledge and drive and stuff like that. So I don't know. It's a it's a weird thing. Yeah, it's just it's one of those things, one of those stories too, where it's there's no real meaningful conflict anywhere in it no um the stuff with chakotay and his dad doesn't feel like i think it doesn't feel meaningful but again it's also not resolved in any real way um so it's tough to care about any of it yeah yeah um but however it did uh give me a new um a new approach to greeting people and showing them that I'm not a threat. So, Wes, the next time I come to your house in order to show you that I'm not a threat, mm. I'm going to break into your house and then get totally nude and walk around. <laughs> no weapons here. No weapons here. Will you use a, a body double as if I walk into the room from your waist down or whatever happens? It's depends not, it's what not the, Beltran, apparently, unfortunately. It, it depends what my budget is, but maybe. Uh, it's. I, I mean... It's the ultimate, you know, shaking hands apparently came about from the fact to show that you didn't have a weapon in your hand. And this is just taking oh, it all the step, step further. Yeah. That's interesting because, you know, by that logic, though, you shake somebody's hand, you pull them in real close, you get them with the other one. That's you right. Get the knife in the other hand. That's right. You do that um, that Trump thing that he always does, which is he grabs the person early and pulls them in to like as yeah. like a power play thing. Uh, not, not a big thing. You got to got to prepare yourself against that, gentlemen. You got to stand your ground. <laughs> Make Are an you, awkward handful. How do you feel about handshake strategies? Because I, I, I know I know that there's like a whole thing about that where it's like exactly what Trump does where, you know, like you said, and there's other things where it's like the force of a handshake and the length of a handshake and the way yeah. that your hand is tipped yeah. is like a signal of some. I, I don't know. I know stuff seems pretty silly to me, but I just my my only handshake rule is it's it's got to be firm. And you ju- you just you just do it long enough for the squeeze to happen. You know sure, what I mean? Like yeah, you just squeeze yeah. hands and then you let go. Uh, I'm I'm very. To me, it's it's more awkward when a a man gives you a handshake and he it feels like he's just putting his hand in your hand and you squeeze it than it yeah. is the length of the handshake. As long as we're both squeezing, it can go a little bit long. But if a guy just puts his hand in my hand and it's like we're just holding hands at that point, that that feels very strange to me. Yeah, I generally go for like the firm squeeze. Yeah, and I'm sure Kyle is really enjoying this conversation. <laughs> um, but like, they can talk ne- about it, bitch. Yeah, <laughs> I never, I'm never surprised by a a a, uh, a similar firm squeeze. But I'm always surprised when you get like a dough hand. Yeah, and like you go in for the firm squeeze, and it's just like, yeah, like oh, yes. I, I, yeah, uh, hope I, didn't. <clears throat> I was expecting more from you. I, I apologize. <laughs> You didn't meet me on on equal uh, battlefield there. No, it's it's. I mean, I fortunately I've aged out of. Um, I don't know about you, but like I, I grew up in Worcester, and there was always this awkward uh, thing about you didn't know whether or not you were going to sort of slap hands or shake hands growing up. Sure, like there's sure. a there's a, and we've aged out of that now. Like no no one that I knew growing up does anything but shake hands. But there was a long time where you're like, I don't know what we're gonna do, and then you're like, oh okay, we're gonna do that, and, and yeah. that's the way it is. Yeah, yeah. When they come in and they have a hand up, yes. And like it, if they're I, just you're gonna come, in, they're either gonna slap five or just give you that fir, like firm hand grab type thing. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if you're going if it's like handshake. If it's gonna be a, a high five or if it's gonna be like a predator situation. Yes, where, where it's you like grab you know, thumbs. The, yeah, like the the arm wrestling grip, yep. and then you just kind of look at each other's biceps for yep. a minute. I don't know if that's the way it's going to go. But. No, fortunately, we were aging out of that, but that was always a very it's a very awkward because uh, if if you mess it up, it's just it's a, a very embarrassing situation to just not be able to to do the thing properly. But did um I I one time <laughs> I one time met someone and 
I went in for the handshake, but they went in for the fist bump. Mm-hmm. And instead of correcting mid travel and doing the fist bump, I just kind of like put my hand up flat and was like, hey, no, thank you. Like, you what, like one of those in. motions. <laughs> 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 I just totally free- froze and I was like, oh, <laughs> no, no, thanks. I, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. No, maybe COVID it's kind of amplified the fist bump too. A lot of people yeah. just, now just fist bump as opposed to anything. But yeah. Yeah. Tattoo. How the hell did, how the hell did we end up talking I, I, about I this? forget who was shaking hands in this episode. <laughs> it went from Chicote's naked ass to, to talking about uh, handshakes. Um, I had something about the Native Americans that I, I feel like I'm going to have to come, come back My to. My favorite thing about the alien guy is that when he spoke the Native American language, he sounded like Robert Downey Jr. speaking Chinese as Kirk Lazarus <laughs> yeah. and Robert Thunder. Robert Thunder. That, it's, <laughs> it's true. Sorry, he's, Vietnamese, I think. He's also, um, it's uh, Elaine's boss in Seinfeld, Mr. Lippman, is that. Is oh, is it, it really? Richard Fancy, yeah, is that, is that actor. Oh, yeah. I knew he, he looked familiar, but I couldn't place him. Um, yeah, there's the whole, I mean, the whole... I feel there was something I wanted to say about the Native American. Oh, it's the... um. So one other thing that I think is weird about the Native American stuff in Star Trek is that... And I was uh, this kind of goes across all the series. So the, and in TNG, the Maquis were introduced as primarily Native American, right? Like that, Were they? Yeah. So that was... No. So they were... At least the, the group of the Maquis that the crew runs into are native americans like they they dress up like that they are from earth and they live out on these colonies that the cardassians are taking over ds9 turned it more into like a rebel alliance that was fighting against them and then this one uh chakotay is a member of the maquis and it's implied i think in this episode that his father is a colonist on those planets out there so he would technically sort of be a maquis as well then he is also bummed that he goes to starfleet Yes, right. Which is he's maybe he's not Maki, but he's he's setting up Chicote to be in a position where the Maki means something to him at the right, very least. Right. Uh, what's interesting about it is that the rest of the universe, in terms of Earth, Earth has kind of homogenized into this like a like blob of indistinct non-belief stuff, except for the mm-hmm. Federation values. And it's weird that the Native Americans have stuck around. Like it, it would be, it would be the equivalent of if Picard turns to Riker and he's like, "We're approaching New Israel, the colony of Jews," you know. And you're like, "Wow, this is weirdly specific that this group has somehow survived." And but also good for them. Good for them, and also, and they deserve. They finally found peace where they could get it. It's it's weird that the Native Americans are like the only ethnic group that still yeah. seem to exist in this universe. Well, <clears throat> we haven't really dealt with any other ones, really, have we? I mean, any was, other uh, any other ethnicities or anything? Yeah, no, I mean, not by I, name. There's there's no Christians or anything. There's no right, Jews. There's right. no, there's nothing that like there, there's no European. Well, I guess Picard considers, it, but he doesn't. They don't like identify as a group of Europeans. You know what I mean? Right. Does Bashir's family identify as like a, a British? Or, I don't know uh, if they were British or maybe Indian or something. They're br- they all have British accents in the show, so I assume they're yeah. all just British, yeah. Yeah. But I, that's just I, I, a homogenized type thing, you know? It, right, Like in right. real world, it's just like they're, they're, they're obviously Middle Eastern, and they lived in Britain, and they speak with a British accent and stuff. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting that really, now that we're talking about this, I'm thinking about it, are the native the native americans are the only like spiritual people from yeah. earth that we've yes. met everybody yeah. else who's spiritual is like the vulcans and the bajorans, bajorans. And stuff. yeah yeah they Which are. Is, they're, they're the only group that has held on to a unique identity from earth yeah and it also kind of makes it that much more condescending because it's like the bajorans and the vulcans religion stuff is like very much feels like it's rooted in the stereotypical traditional way that they would handle a, a native american belief system yep you know it's very it's a lot simplified. more simplified and, and mythological than you would kind of expect um <clears throat> so i guess it's in line with that but it is yeah you don't 
I don't think we've ever met a Christian or or a Muslim or anything like that or or a Hindu no. on Star Trek. They've just they've just <laughs> never been there. It's it's weird. And, yeah. But the natives uh, have made it to multiple series, so there's something about it. I guess it's just Michael Pillar, uh, sort of representing or something like that. But that's all I had to say about the uh, the natives in the the Chicote episode, which I think we covered. the The part that I do enjoy about this episode, I do like the Doctor's B plot and. I wish it had its own episode, but I'm not really sure what they could do with it uh, to lengthen yeah. it. But I, I think it was, I thought it was really neat, and I thought it was a good take on the Doctor. Uh, like, just kind of, I, I thought it was a plotline that really clearly encompassed how he's different from everybody and gave him a good way to learn his 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 lesson through the, uh, you know, the five minutes or whatever you spend with him in the episode. Yeah, I thought it was good too. I thought it was clever. Um, I thought he was kind of a, a dick more than usual at the beginning of this one. Yeah. Um, but I guess that makes sense given what the story was. That woman's think, back. The the pregnant woman. Yeah, the pregnant lady. Yep. Yeah. Uh, not 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 a lot of sympathy given to the pregnancy. No, I, I wouldn't doctor. either. But he, he, she landed on sciatica pain, which I which I'm un, unfortunately very uh, sympathetic to at this point. So I, I was I was bonding <laughs> with her over that. But at the um. Because it was it was tough. I I I was just thinking about it in real life terms. I was also kind of like, well, you know, you'll get over this stuff. It, it's weird in a Star Trek show because he could probably just give her a hypo spray and make the pain go away. I was thinking that too. Like they can get rid of your headache in thirty seconds, but they can't like zap her up with something or just transport the fetus. Sciatica. Yeah, transport the fetus to the other side of the womb so it's not on her nerves. Or oh, something. that's now that's interesting. Yeah. That's, I feel like there's a lot that could go wrong there. There is. It's the um, <laughs> DS9 sorry. transported the baby out. Remember, DS9 transported the baby into Kira. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. That's oh, oh my. I'm sorry, but your our ultrasound is picking up a bowl of spaghetti. Oh no! Oh. Neelix was using the transporter oh, at the same time. Oh my god! That's <laughs> it's um. Don't eat the lunch. It's that that alien hair pasta. I I. I was hoping, I, w- I guess I was desperate for this episode or that plot line to be a little bit bigger. So I was trying to come up with things about like how you could play the doctor as both justified and not justified, but it's not really mm-hmm. the point. But it was also, I just, I liked his, I liked his performance and the idea of what was going on enough that I wish it had uh, continued for a little bit longer, but I'm not sure it could have. It might just be fine with a five minute thing. Well, I was thinking, as you were talking, I was thinking about it and I feel like probably the obvious way to extend it would be that his virus that he's uploaded to himself spreads to the rest of the ship. Yeah, not interested so, in that, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah that, that's the rest of the, the ship gets sick. That's kind of, you know, that's kind of the, 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 the first first draft idea. I even um, like the idea of a holographic virus that only he can get in holographic tissues that yes, only he can yes. use. I, I thought all that was clever. My favorite part of that was when he was like, these are holographic towels. Don't give these don't, to the patients. Don't give them away. I thought it was... Um, I thought that was a good doctor storyline and i think yeah. that that's a that works well for what he is as a character what his job is on the show and just the tech of how it all works out yeah yeah i i don't know how much there is else to say there no. um because like the, the the point that you're trying to make that they're trying to make to the doctor is that he should be more compassionate to people who are sick and you know they make that point pretty quickly and then that's kind of it i don't really know um if there is a, a larger extension of that I, idea yeah. that could go on longer. No, it's just the, um, yeah, it runs into this interesting complex of like, he probably could fix that lady's sciatica pain. Um, but at the same time, you know, Harry Kim comes in, he's like, my tummy hurts. Can you fix it? It's like, come on, pussy, like pull it together. <laughs> someone, someone, you don't need to be running off to the doctor. So I think there's a, I don't know, it might be too cute for the show, but there's this kind of like, in a medical field where they could literally fix anything, is it always necessary to go to the doctor when you're slightly under the weather a little bit? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's the, if that's all that works. Well, in Star Trek, it's more something to think about. Yeah, I mean, you could do something where, like, uh, <clears throat> the doctor is getting frustrated with the people who are coming in who are sick because part of the reason they're sick is because they're not taking care of themselves. And since he is a more efficient machine... He's also the only he- doctor. Which is they yeah. could have brought up, you know. That's the re- whole yeah. reason he's active is because there's not another medical staff around him. Right, right. But uh, you know, since he's the only efficient, he's the he's the more efficient machine. He's looks down on the people who are not uh, 
working at their at their uh, uh, highest potential. Yeah. Um, and then once he gets sick, he realizes that it's not all just keeping the gears oiled. It's it's about other stuff as well, and blah blah blah. But I, I mean, I don't really know if you ultimately get much more out of that without doing something wacky and science fictiony. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <clears throat> Which would kind of belabor the point, I think. Uh, so before we go to patron thoughts about this, I did want to say that uh, the the in the the staircase of Michael Peterson trial. Clearly, yes. the neighbor was watching this episode and knew about owl attacks because Neelix gets attacked by an owl, basically, in this episode. And that <laughs> must right. have triggered what he thought happened to uh, Kathleen Peterson, I would assume. Yes. I mean, makes as much sense as anything else. It really does. Trial, so. It really does. And remarkably similar to that miniseries, the performance where Neelix gets attacked by the owl and Kathleen gets attacked <laughs> by the owl. It's basically the same, same man, thing. Man, you know, I man, I that was one of the most impressive things to me in that show is uh tony collette having to do three or four different scenes of her dying yep really interesting because she didn't she never did it the same way twice like it was i mean obviously there were different circumstances and stuff but yes they're she all always ends really, up on the staircase but, uh, right yeah, right yeah. uh but they're all really intense and like i could imagine doing that first one and that's going to take pretty much everything out of you and it's like okay next week we're doing the owl and you're like oh, god yep. okay gotta psych myself up for this again great uh sound editing in those sequences like when he yeah. hits her head on the uh, spoilers but when he like hits her head on the stairs it's like really a good cracking sound yeah i also i was watching um the behind the scenes stuff that they do like at the end of the episodes like they'll do like a little you know two minute yeah. recap where the they talk about the episode the creators talk about the episode and they had some behind the scenes footage and it looked like they built the staircase in green screen so like they had her for they, the like blood were, effects probably maybe yeah, yeah they, it was like they had a clip of of the the director like talking to tony collette on the staircase but the entire staircase was green screen yeah it must and be so, it must be for the blood to make it yeah consistent. probably something like that so yeah to keep it consistent but it was it was just one of those things where it's like i never in a million years would have thought that they did that no look good just, yeah yeah they do this stuff all the time it, now yeah it, it it makes bad cgi stand out that much more when you think about how much good seamless stuff there is everywhere and we don't even notice it yeah yeah it just can't be the focus it can't be like a character right. coming up and talking right. to you you know yeah um so that's it i guess that we are it done. can't be like uh have you ever seen that that clip from um the making of clone wars no i'm sorry attack of the clones where it's uh it's the scene where obi-wan is in that alien 50s greaser diner and yeah. he meets the the, the cook who is entirely CGI. And the so mustache have, guy, right? Yeah, the yeah. lazy yellow mustache. Yeah. So they have the plate. They shoot the plate of, of Ewan McGregor going in and hugging like either a guy in a green suit or nothing. Yep. And it's just the next couple minutes are George Lucas slowly chipping away at everything except for Obi-Wan's face <laughs> because it never looks right and he's never happy. So he ends up CGIing the entire exchange oh, nice. except for Obi-Wan's head. Yep. And so that's why when you watch it, it looks fucking weird yeah. because it, yeah. there's a, it's not good enough back then to make that happen. <laughs> I bet they could do it now completely seamlessly, though. Just shoot it on the staircase. So Obi-Wan hugging that guy on the staircase. And, and then fine. falling down falling and dying down. horribly. <laughs> Four variations of that hug. That's it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Patreon.com slash The Penske File. If you want to support the show there, you can do it there. Patreon.com slash The Penske File. This was, I got to say, this was kind of a badass episode where we talked about the episode for about 10 minutes and then we talked about other stuff. Yeah, like we were tangential, <laughs> except for the handshake. I feel like everything else was semi-tangential. That's I don't, true. I don't That's know where the, where the handshake came from, but it was... Um, yeah, it's. We'll see if the patrons give us anything that we missed, but I think we pretty yeah. much covered everything. Um, unfortunately, Chicote's story isn't worth talking about in any. any That's the depth. thing. Yeah. It's like it's just a boring episode about, like the doctor thing is cool, but that main story is just nothing. Like you don't really get anything out of it. No. Um, it's all it's all built up to a reveal that isn't really a reveal because it's not like you said it's not saying anything yeah and so this ancient aliens thing doesn't really land in any meaningful way and the 
Native American thing doesn't land in any meaningful way and the father stuff doesn't land in any meaningful way. And so I just kind of came away from it going like, yeah, I don't really know why they made this episode. So let's go to patron thoughts. If you're a patron, you can leave your thoughts at patreon.com slash the Penske file. We read them on the show. Clay, you can go first. This is Kyle Barat. Kyle Barat. Tattoo. There are three positives to this episode. One, the flashbacks and their transitions feel surprisingly modern. Two, it was the first episode to air during my lifetime, so I have a misguided attachment to it. That's a really, okay, that's a weird thing to be attached I to. Wonder, I wonder, I can look up uh, while you're doing this what our episodes are. Oh, that, yeah, okay. That's interesting. We should. Is there a way we could monetize that or turn that into like a TikTok filter? I know. I should. I should. I'm on, I'm on it. You finished your, your comments. <laughs> and three, you can feel that the writers were well-meaning if deluded in their disastrous attempt at something noble. Carrying on the 90s TV tradition of linking aliens with Native American mythology as seen in Twin Peaks and the X-Files. Oh, yeah. I completely forgot about that. And uh, Sorry. Uh, I don't mean to interrupt, but I, I realized it's obviously just encounter at Farpoint for both of us. Oh, yeah. Wait, no, that's 87, right? I know, but there's nothing before then. You know, there's TOS for episodes. TOS ended in the 60s. Well, I guess it would have to be movie then, right? Was I'm 84. Was that Wrath of Khan or is that 83? I'll look it up. Sorry, you keep reading. Uh, Seen Twin Peaks and the X-Files. Voyager takes it too far, leading to much questionable awkwardness. The age-old indigenous struggle to hold their native land from invaders doesn't mean much when they are actually aliens with less right to the land themselves. And an almighty yeesh when we see that the more advanced alien race that birthed the rubber people are all notably very white, just just like Prometheus. Yep. Not even Chakotay's arse can save the episode with that being a bottom double rather than Robert Beltran. One actor ashamed of his dirty anus out of five. Very tragic. Thank you, Kyle, for that. So what's your birthday in 84? Uh, June 15th. Oh, so you are Wrath of... No, June 15th? Yeah. So it is Search for Spock for you. Ah, damn. Because that came out June 1st, 84. So I have Wrath of Khan as my... Ah, you lucky bastard. Yeah. But yeah, I I wish it was an episode. Unfortunately, it's not an episode. It's just those movies. Yeah. Uh, That's actually you could you could make one of those books that you can buy at like stationery stores where it's like all the other famous people that have your birthday, but yep. it could just be all of the f- episodes from famous television shows. That That's right, the year you were born. That's right. This is that website. That what does episode it for songs. of Cheers was on? What were people what epi- watching? Yeah, I know. I, I know that my who song was on is, Johnny Carson the day that I was born. My my song my song was um, the number one. Uh, hit was Red Red Wine when I was born. Ugh. I don't know anything else that's out of that, but that's yeah. that's the that's the era. Tax Bear says, Tattoo, an episode dedicated to Chakotay's Native American origin. It's as dull as it is predictable, and from that awkward time period where media producers had realized that indigenous people should be treated better than they had been in the past, but they hadn't found the easiest solution yet. Let an indigenous person write the episode. Where are you going to find? Where are you going to find some of them? Where are you going to do that? Jaron Hatch is the next comment. With this one, at this point in time, I think we can safely say that the Doctor is carrying the show. A bit of trivia, though. Did you know that there are space Indians in this episode? The only thing missing is a scene where it's revealed that Chakotay's tattoo is actually a map back to Earth. That alone would have made this better than one uh, than the. Then that one time in the 1970s Star Trek cartoon did their own Space Indians Gods episode, which I'm sure we can all agree is a true classic. At least we got a scene of hawk of a hawk randomly attacking Neelix. One rubber tree out of five. Um, <clears throat> that actually was also one of my favorite scenes is at the end when the alien guy is like, man, it's going to take you guys a long time to get home. And Chakotay's just like, yeah, yeah, it is. It's too bad. Too bad. It took them say, two generations to get there. Twelve? Do you say... Twelve. It was twelve, right? Twelve generations. No, uh, no. It should take. Or it it th- should take was two. It only like three, two, because two? Okay. they're gonna. Voyager is barely gonna get home for people on the ship, like um, or you know what I mean. Like Voyager's barely able to get home for the people on the ship to be surviving when they get there. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Seba says tattoo. We honor sky spirits. Consent. We don't fear it. And Chicote's story is slightly more cool, but Jamal Highwater. Though quite a good author, I don't think learns Chicote 
Oh, it's Cherokee at shul. One half asleep Talaxian spare eyeball <laughs> out of five. And then the next one is Clef, and I'm sending it now. Two poems this in a row. Sur- this surprisingly involves Chakotay's kin when the skies when sky spirits don't trust Homo sapiens. That's that's a little bit belabored, but I'll give it. It's a Dickinson uh, rhyme. It wants to, it wants to be about faith, but plays it way too safe. Another religion turns out to be aliens. Two entertaining B plots out of five. Benjamin Espinosa says, so we finally get a Chicote backstory. He capitalized back. I don't know if that's an ass reference. And while the execution is somewhat clumsy, mainly due to budget limitations, I really enjoyed its deeper meaning. The sky spirits are basically responsible for North South America being populated because the inheritors gifted them with the curiosity and stamina to persevere. Mesoamerican, North and South American cultures were formed. And if rubber tree people makes uh, sounds made up, Look at the Olmec culture and read 1493 by Charles Mann. Four butt cheeks out of five. I will not stand for this alien versus predator erasure. Where we all know that all of the the civilizations of Earth came from Antarctica. You can go there. There's a temple that features artwork from all of those different places before they split up and went their own ways. Yep. And there is an alien queen secretly inside that temple. I was reading... um, I read that movie's real dumb. I read, this is tangential and apropos nothing. I I read uh, Homo Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari, uh, and he sort of brings up this idea about uh, that humans are like the great driver of large mammal extinctions through history. Mm-hmm. And then I read Guns, Germs, and Dynamite, or whatever that book. Is. It's not Dynamite, but it's something like Guns, Germs, and Steel by Jared Lawyer, Diamond, which came out lawyers, in the nineties. Guns and money. Yeah, lawyer. <laughs> mount up, regulate. <laughs> um, I read that he talks about the same thing, but it is it's something that we don't really get taught a lot is that um, in guns, germs, and whatever, uh, the point is that European society sort of took off in a way that allowed it to colonize and become sort of like in- industrial before the rest of the world. Like His whole book is why, why do different cultures evolve, like sort of develop at different rates? Sure. And the European one was because... Europeans were the only group that had readily domesticatable animals that could be oh, largely produced okay. because when hmm. when the native when the people came from Siberia and spread into America and as the people moved into Australia and everything like that and across the Pacific they killed all the large animals that we used to have and right, they might right. have been better food sources but because they were just, you know, sort of nomadic humans. They would just kill everything that was there without any really sort of conservation sense about it because they would just move on. But it's interesting. Like, there used to be huge, huge sloths in North America, like the size of a bear, basically, and stuff like that. And, and weird, weird weird stuff they never really read about. Sounds like it'd be worth some cash if you killed it and t- skinned it. Chicote should have asked about the sloth bear if they have to prove <laughs> that these aliens had actually been there. It's a good pelt to get in some video game. Uh, Point Extra G says, oh no, well, I'll read it, I'm already here. Well, they tried to do right by Chicote and Native Americans, but I just can't get past the fact that it's all based on made-up nonsense. It's a bland episode, but the Chicote story does have its moments. The Doctor storyline is great, though. He definitely needs help with his bedside manner. The Undiscovered Mugato is the very next comment, which is here. My favorite part is when all the white guys showed up to fill Chicote in about how they told his Asiatic ancestors to migrate to the Americas. So is Chicote now both Native American and alien? And that poor alien hawk is up there struggling to keep airborne, though through a seemingly never-ending succession of cyclones and clear skies. No wonder he got mad and tried to eat Neelix's eyeball. At least the doctor got the Lavodian flu. Two bad idea genes out of five. Was all that stuff real? Was like the hawk real? Yeah, I think so. It was just controlled by them, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. My favorite line in this is the uh, Bolanas, we just can't transport this episode line, which she says at the start. <laughs> it's like, okay, we'll take a shuttle. No worries. Oh, sorry, skipped one. Jonas says, Tattoo, I agree with Kyle that the flashbacks in this episode felt surprisingly modern and well executed. They invigorated the A-plot. Picardo, nonetheless, was the most watchable portion of this episode, if not the only watchable portion. The alien guy who spoke to Chakotay at the end was Mr. Lippman, Elaine's boss in Seinfeld. One out of five. Changeling is our next episode person. And there you go. 
this is the first this, word, sorry. This episode sucks. We know it sucks. The other com- commentator- commentators will explain why. So I'll talk about the positives. Uh, the doctor subplot was cute, and Neelix gets attacked by a hawk. <clears throat> well, at least this is the worst episode of Voyager, and it's all up from here, right? Right? One little, two little, three little, four little, five little naked Indians out of five. <laughs> yep. Oh, the the patrons are fairly hostile on this one uh, in a way that last I, the last run has been the last few for, from oh, the I patrons. Think, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't I know. I think the last episode we didn't like it and they liked it. I can't remember. Yeah, what was the? I'd have to look at what the last one was. I thought I thought we've been more positive on them. Maybe. Yeah, generally that. I think we have. Yeah. Aaron Million, I'll read this one. I sent it to you, but I'll sure. just read it. Voyager's continuing inability to adequately define the Chakotay characters on full display here. In an episode that's supposed to be about him, the Doctor has a more entertaining storyline. I do appreciate the writers making an attempt to, to explore Chakotay's heritage, but this really smacks of a group of people who don't know much about the subject matter trying to produce an episode about it. Also, there were so many clips of the hawk flying around that I started to think I was watching the PBS series Nature. Two bear-it-all Chakotays out of five. I did. I did like that. He was like, "That looks just like a hawk," and I was like, "Yep, just close enough that we can use some B-roll." That's right. That we had in the stock footage. Some hazy, some hazy stock footage that we've pulled from the uh, the archives. This is Royo. What if an alien race had interfered and given the Neanderthals an evolutionary advantage? Fortunately for you, they didn't. Flox's justification for denying the cure in Dear Doctor to a dying species. Well, we learn in this episode Neanderthals were given an evolutionary advantage, and guess what? Nothing happened. You let billions wither away and die for nothing, Flocks. 1.5 out of 5. And the final comment is, a latte librarian combined the noble savage trope, white savior trope, and the crazy guy ancient aliens meme, and you get this episode. Chakotay being sponsored for Starfleet Academy by Sulu was a nice subtle tie-in, though. Cast shouldn't Mm. have given the doctor a 45-minute heads-up at the end of his symptoms, uh, up to the end of his symptoms, he deserved to be kept in the dark until the end. Two teenage sulks out of five. What's your take on the chariots of the gods thing idea? That there was alien uh, like interference on Earth? Yeah, whether it was interference or whether it was humans are uh, born from the seed of aliens, that kind of thing. Like comet dust or something like that? Is that yeah, well, does that apply? So- I would say it's generally something that's more purposeful. What's like the best we were, evidence for that? Is there a best evidence? Uh, great question. Um, I think it's mostly people not understanding how the pyramids were built. <laughs> yeah, I like I. I don't. The only thing that I find somewhat plausible about anything of that is that it's it's like we only know the earliest civilizations because it's the earliest ones that we've found to this point, right? So there there might be mm-hmm. cities and stuff that were before, like Babylon, which I think, or whatever that, that city in that area was, the first one. I think it was Babylon mm-hmm. or something else, maybe. Um, I mean, I, I'm not inclined to, to think that. That just seems strange to me, or it seems... Like, I I would be I would be surprised if I'd be surprised if aliens have ever vi- visited Earth. I guess. Yeah. So yeah. I I just haven't been convinced of that, and it seems extremely unlikely. So I don't know. I, but I I would be interested to hear what they think is like the uh, the smoking gun that proves that this is something that has happened, or like is the is, it answers the question that science itself has not been able to explain about humanity to this point. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I I find it to be a very fun fun idea, um, an, an interesting story. Uh, it always struck me as kind of like an atheistic reimagining of just yeah religion, a creator it's, myth. It's the same, yeah. It's the same idea, except like no, it was aliens, not a not God. Like, all right, well, six of one here, but um, yeah. I I but the thing that I have always found interesting is is when you know you get into a a documentary or something about this stuff, and they start pulling out elements from different religions that cross over in a very specific way that can't be explained yeah um i find that really interesting like how how uh this is not specifically ancient ancient alien related but how most major religions have a flood aspect built into their Mm -hmm. 
story. So you kind of have to draw the conclusion that there must have actually been some sort of cataclysmic flood or something similar to it. Or mul- multiple, that, multiple floods. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, that are, were big enough that it made it into the, into the religion myth. Yeah. Um, but as far as like practicality and, and I don't know, I, 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 I think that, uh, I kind of split the difference on aliens in general where I feel like the, the, universe is so big that the to say that aliens don't exist feels like an impossibility yeah but i don't think they've ever come to the earth i'm i'm more this is another sort of tangential thing i'm more inclined to believe the idea that like someone like nick bostrom would say which is that he thinks there's like a 25 percent chance that reality is a simulation somewhere Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because it's the idea that I'm going to badly butcher the basic idea here, but if there was a, in the universe, if we've developed, it seems likely that there's a more advanced version of humans somewhere. Mm-hmm. And if you develop artificial intelligence or things like that to the point where it could happen, to, to the point where you could create reality, it seems likely that our perception is a simulation at that point. This, that's a very bad explanation. He's much better at like explaining what the, the sort of thought process is there. But it's it's basically along those lines. Of, like If there is an advanced civilization out there, it seems likely that we could be part of their simulation at that point. Um, so we're all just playing Roy from uh, Rick and Morty? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for for unknown unknown reasons, and it's it's sort of an impossibility to to prove or something like that. But I find that to be you know that's just kind of a uh, sort of brain not a brain exercise because he actually seems to or he believes it, but it, it's yeah. along the lines of an alien creator, uh, but not in the sense that they came and put like sunflower seeds in the primordial ooze and <laughs> saw what happened. More that it's just it, it, it's all encompassing. Yeah, I. Uh, the the simulation thing that and like the multiverse idea has never totally jived with me because it at a certain point it feels like it it makes everything a little bit meaningless. Yep. Um, which is a little bit too cynical for me. You know, uh, you, you you enjoy the taste of steak in the Matrix. Yeah, pretty much. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's people die. You know. Yep. It's, it's I, I feel like all that stuff is is difficult to really apply practically once you kind of wrap your mind around the fact that things die. <laughs> um, you know, it's just because it's like it, it really kind of takes takes the wind out of any sort of uh, any sort of sales when you're con- confronted with that. So yeah, yeah, I can't disagree. Um. Oh, we read all the patron thoughts. That's it. Thank you, patrons, for leaving your thoughts about the episode at patreon.com slash the Penske file. We're going to go to ours now, Clay. There were a lot of ones. That might be like a one point something mm. for the patron yeah. average, which is fairly yeah. low. What are you going to give this one? This is tough because hat, like three quarters of it, I want to give a one. But the doctor stuff was charming enough that it, like I don't, I, I don't know if it elevates it enough to, up to a two for me. Yep. I'm going to say this is probably the worst episode we've watched so far. Oh, of the entire show? Yeah. Mm-hmm. From what I could... Well, definitely season two. Yeah, well, I can't we really... didn't have... We didn't have... I don't think there was anything... Season one was better than this. Yeah, it was I pretty think. solid. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> But still, it's like it's not unsalvageable. Like, you can still watch it and go, yeah, it was Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, I was just looking at the list here. The only ones that I would think could be contenders was Initiations was pretty bad. That was the Kazon, where Nog comes back as the Kazon. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Elogium. No, that was fine. Non Sequitur is Harry Kim, Back in Time. This is worse than yeah. that, I think. Yeah. What did What did I give that one? A two. You've given everything but one of the episodes a three, which was Projections, I think. We, we've given everything a two so far, but Projections was got a three. Okay, I'm gonna give this a. Mm. What are you gonna give it? I'm gonna give it a two. I, th- I think yeah. it's a two. It's um, I think it's I think it's a two. My gut says two. Yeah, I 
I don't know. It's, it's what I said before. I, I appreciate like structurally what they did here. I, I wish that a better story had been applied to Pillar's script idea about how to yeah. move things through, and it would have been a little bit better. But Chicote's Native American stuff is just it's so boring, um, and the Doctor stuff is good. I think it's it's enough to save it as a two, and it's not it's not one of the worst ones so far. Yeah, it's just such a like a. Uh the 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 native american like the flashback stuff like it's just so nothing happens in it like there's no, no conflict yeah. yep like it's not even like chakotay screws everything up for his dad you know it's yep. just it's all being it's all angry young man uh adolescent stuff that is mostly happens off screen and has no real application other than the fact that he's being a bitch yeah while his dad is achieving his life dream yes <clears throat> No, it's um, true. It's true. I, 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 I guess that my, I, I totally agree. The Chicote storyline is just so fluff and like surprising how little actually happens in it. Like it's it's kind of an episode in a more, a more cliched version of it. Like the father dies in this one. You know. Yeah. It doesn't do that. It doesn't fall down that quite that bad. Right. But it, right it, yeah. it, at least in the cliche there you get a sense of what Chicote was fighting for really like he so you see the death of the father and how it changed him and stuff like that this this doesn't have it yeah even like the name of the episode is tattoo yeah. and even the tattoo thing he's like oh yeah i got this much later off screen yes <laughs> you know? i had to like, I had to travel back yeah <clears throat> yeah like i'm so if they had if it had been this the thing where like he's rejecting all of this stuff from his father and then since they're both there, he gets this thing inscribed on his forehead, which is there forever, but he doesn't care about it and he hates it. And then later he comes comes back around and realizes the true meaning and blah, 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 blah. That, that might might have been a little bit more interesting. Um, but yeah, just having him be a dickhead and then it's like, oh, yeah, I got this after my dad died. Kind of unrelated to anything else we've seen to this point. Yeah. And then he's like, yeah, well, thanks for the chat. Um I can, you know, hear my father's voice every time the wolf cries to the blue corn moon. Rolling in on the winds. Yeah. And the reason it's a two for me is I I found it a somewhat watchable episode. I don't yeah, I can't not, I can't explain. Yeah. yeah. It's not unwatchable, it's just you get to the end and go, eh, yep. whatever. Yep, whatever. On and on Voyager rolls with season two. That's it. We're both giving this one a two for tat two. Is that gonna be worse than you know at least on tng in the early days they were swinging wildly where you'd get lots of weird ones and lots of i don't know if they ever quite get to a four in the first season of tng not the first season though but you know they're, they're they're trying some stuff out is this i guess it's kind of the enterprise problem it is is it worse is it worse to be average or in this case is it worse to be slightly below average yeah 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 i i i do the show does improve Uh, i think enterprise's problem is it never really changed from that it was just that for a little bit but people genuinely like the mid-seasons voyager quite a bit um okay looking at the title the episode titles there are some episodes that are considered top tier star trek episodes so we'll we'll see but this is certainly a bad season of the show so far um Mm. but it is the enterprise problem of i would certainly in terms of the uh we probably talked about it in terms of the podcast the tng thing is better than this because at least you go up and down and you have some of a kind of a wavy thing where for for the context of the podcast a string of twos in a row is just kind of um unexciting so well i mean if we if we had been watching a uh a gratuitous one right would we ever have gotten into the intricacies of handshakes probably not no no and that's good radio that's that's gonna explaining handshakes <laughs> leave a comment about your handshake technique how often you're shaking hands i i, find, I, I do think COVID has impacted the handshake thing i don't shake hands nearly as much as you I know used to. i thought it was going to more but i i've noticed um you thought it was gonna have a bigger impact than the yeah I thought we were going to all kind of like agree to shift to something else, like the elbow tap or something, but it never... No, I I think it's going to come back. I I think it'll be like everything. It's just going to come back. I, for better or worse, 
went right back to putting the hand out for the handshake once, yeah. once people started seeing each other again, which maybe I shouldn't have done, but who knows? Yeah, it's fine. We're all rolling on. Next up is Cold Fire. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for supporting the show. Patreon.com slash Lipensky file. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? Um, issue two of Batman Beyond the White Knight presents Red Hood, which I wrote with my co-host on Badass Podcast, Sean Murphy, is out right now. Both issues one and two are out. If you want to see what we've been up to in the Batman realm, making real comic books with real Batman characters for real DC Comics. Very fun. There it is. Um, and Amanda and I are still trucking on Patreon with our second string of C- Stephen King coverage. Uh, what month are we in here? August, possibly September at this, this point. Is September, September, I think, yeah. August is, they always, sometimes they come back. And uh, I don't know what September is yet because we haven't done August yet. So uh, it'll be something away. good. We've we've only got a few left. So it's, it's probably going to be like Children of the Corn or... Um, Firestarter or something like that, probably in there. I didn't know Children of the Corn was a Stephen King. Yeah, oh. yeah. It's one of the ones that I feel like gets forgotten. I don't think I've ever seen it. It's iconic for some reason to me, but I'm not sure I've ever seen it. Uh, that's it. I don't have anything to add. Patreon, go there, support the show if you're so inclined. Otherwise, we're going to be back next week with Cold Fire. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting. We'll see you later. <laughs>